that's two hours of our life. None of us are getting back, I guess. But Ollie's uh, magical reds march on with inevitable destination of a semi-final loss on the horizon. Seems like it. Semi-final in front of fans? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Mm, yeah, don't, don't jinx it. That's, uh, that would only, that'd only be April, so probably and not. The thing is, a bit like what you, when you said don't jinx it when we were talking about the league title, it's like, it's not at jinx territory yet. It's not jinxing it to say there'll be a semi, there might be a semi final in front of fans because it's just remarkably unlikely as far as I'm concerned at this point. Yes. What, what was remarkably unlikely was uh, United putting in a fluid performance with the uh, eight, was it eight or nine changes? It was a lot anyway. 15, 15 good minutes at the beginning of the match, so I hear. I paid scant attention to this one. I was doing other things while it was yeah. on. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's the simple stuff, really. When you're playing a, a team that's not as good as you, just move the ball quickly and, and you'll get them out of shape. And, and that's how they beat them. And, and United did that for 15 minutes. Watford actually defended all right, I, th- I thought. For, for much of that first half. Uh, and then basically never again in the match did United actually do the things you really have to do to put a put a lower division side under pressure. And and by the way, this is a Watford side that came in having rested a bunch of their players too, as as we thought they might do um on the last podcast, because they've got more important things than the FA Cup. United do have more important things in the FA Cup, but not much. I mean, as finishing as high up the table as possible. Winning, but after winning that, the league, pal. Twenty-one in twenty-one. We've yeah. got bigger fish to fry than the FA Cup. Sure. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Yeah. Totes. <laughs> um. But but anyway, yeah. So I mean, I think we got the performance that was probably we probably expected. I mean, there's there's been times in Ollie's reign when he's made a lot of changes and we've got a really disjointed performance. And it wasn't that, right? This wasn't bad, was it? It's just it wasn't fluid enough to break down a Watford side that defended reasonably well. It's about quality, isn't it? Like the changes. I mean, it, you know, it was notable that that Matter and Van der Beek moved the ball around considerably better than the other players that came into the side naming no names <laughs> um but you know the other players that came go into on the name, side. name names well, name names I'm just, go I on just, go on i don't like having a go at a young player making his way in the game um yeah but but jesse lingard you know he hasn't had minutes so you can excuse him um, Sorry, that that's route one. That's a route I one like joke. It though. It's really I, I did like it though, because the thing about Lingard is, you know, it, something's happened, hasn't it? Because not that he was by any means the kind of complete package, but he definitely had something, and that seems to have kind of really taken a battering in the last couple of years. Um, James, on the other hand, it remains remarkably unclear whether he has anything or not. I mean, it, it, it's... I mean, I'd go far as to say it's quite clear that he doesn't <laughs> have the thing, yeah. whatever the thing yeah. is. You know, unfortunately, we've we've seen him a lot now. This is not a young player we've not seen very much or, or say, like, uh, maybe Mason Greenwood, a young player who's done well and now is having a bit of second season syndrome. This is a young player who's really never done very well at all, ever, for United, save for two games at the beginning of last well, season. Well, I, I can't remember the numbers, but I they I don't remember his Swansea career being stellar either. 
you know. So he he, he has got a, a wonder goal in him once in a blue moon, but that's not, I mean, you know, listen, a lot can change, but if it turns out that Dan James is the level, I'll be really surprised. It seems very evident he's not. Um, a player that many, many, many people feel similarly about, um, and I think nowhere near justifiably so, given what we have seen from him, um, is the captain of the first half of that game, Scott McTominay. Uh, an interesting decision to give McTominay the the armband. I guess you could have gone with Juan Mata for seniority. Um, that's pretty much the only option, I guess. Um, well, he gave Axel Tunzebi the captaincy in... Who was the game against? Rochdale, was it? I think it rings it was the bell, yeah. Hometown. Hometown team, and that's uh, part of the reason. It's one of the reasons um, I think Ollie does like a sentimental decision now and again. Yes, he does. And nothing wrong with that. Um, no, oh, no, I guess not, yeah. Um, I mean, Alex Ferguson did that now and again too, didn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's um, it's The pure rational is greatly overrated in Western society. Anyway, um, Sasha said about McTominay that he, he wanted to test him to see if there would be a... A reaction at all to having the armband, and I guess there was. You know, he he, he let like something uh, for that that corner and uh, pulled off a terrible header, <laughs> which is in fact so bad that it did the keeper in the top corner. Uh, yeah, and that was the only goal of the game. I guess you wouldn't have thought at that point that it was likely to be the only goal of the game. Um, uh, the back four was kind of interesting. It's actually. There's an argument to say that that I'm not talking about form like Shaw's playing really well at the moment, but um, there's an argument to say that Williams, Twanzebe, Bailly, and Tellez is actually like a back four that has, a, you know, that you could argue offers some. Each of those people offers something that their uh, first team, the player that they're replacing in the first eleven, um, doesn't. I guess. Yeah. I, so Bailly obviously, obviously got clattered. Um, by Dean Henderson because, you know, five games for Eric Bailly in a row without something absolutely disastrous happening is impossible. Um, But I guess the fact that Lindelof played alongside Maguire in the semi-final and Bailly played this, unless Solskjaer was thinking I'm going to play one of my first choice in each of these games, it does sort of indicate that maybe Bailly's little run in the first team was out of necessity and to do with Lindelof's fitness rather than the thing it should be about, which is Bailly should be first choice. That's right. I mean, we we spoke about this, didn't we? This this match being the test of whether Bailly was was first choice or not, and um, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I suspect he's you know the next choice. It's just it's tragic for him because he's got so much to offer as as we've talked about. And I mean, it's not far from the perfect central defender. I, I'm not saying he's the solution to all United's defensive problems, but but his pace is just. His, his pace and his enthusiasm, his ability to turn, his mobility, you know, it's, it's, it all offers so much more than Lindelof. You know, the only argument for Lindelof is his uh, distribution. And Baez isn't bad, no, right? It's all. not like it's, you know, we're talking chalk and cheese here. No, it's not Chris Smalling. Baez is not bad at all. So No, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's a real shame. I mean... Fortunately, Solskjaer said it's, it wasn't a concussion. It's not a head injury. Um, I mean, it was in the neck, so it's pretty serious, isn't it? I mean, it's really serious. Yeah. So, uh, and they they followed. You know, they did the protocol. Medical people said he should come off. 
and, you know, followed it to the letter. And I'm sure that if there's any suspect concussion, he'll be kept away for the 14 days. And we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah, because... But if it is just a bang and they're being super, super careful, well, good on the medical staff and and he'll be back soon. I mean, it's good. um, Definitely, obviously, good on the medical staff anyway. And Bayou wanted to come back on and didn't. That's that's good. Um, Solskjaer saying it's not a concussion. It's like, well... All right, we we don't know that it's a concussion yet. I mean, Steve Smith came back out to bat after Joffre whacked him in the ashes and then was out, missed the next test match, um, like didn't come back out the next day and missed the next text ma- test match because he was, you know, concussed. And- yeah, I mean, I, I, I may be doing Oli a disservice there because I think he qualified. That. Right, okay, great. So I think he qualified that, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, yes, rather than sort of... You know, stating that it is definitely not, but but anyway, look, um, you know, fingers crossed. Bayes okay. Yeah. There's no lasting damage. Uh, you know, there's no fractures, and and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll treat this with the the seriousness that it deserves. Yeah. Um. But anyway, to come back to your main point about the back four, yeah, absolutely. Like, and and I think this is it's nice that there's quality and depth. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um. And and there's question marks over all these players for various different reasons, of course. Back five, right? But it's not like there aren't question marks over the the first choice back five either. And so having that depth, hopefully, will be able to find the the right kind of balance that isn't going to make the even though United's defensive record is is pretty good over Ollie's time, it is going to be able to allow United to play one v one at the back much more often than we do, which will give us much more freedom going forwards. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know it's just a really important shift in balance I think that they're trying to find but they can't do it in Maguire and Lindelof it's it's just it's unthinkable that you could do uh, in the way that Ferguson's team does or Klopp's team does now go one v one in defensive situations with those two so um, whereas Tunes Aby and Bayi in theory you could because they're both quick across the ground mm. um, and especially on the turn uh, and and Williams. Uh, he's had a hard season, needs time, needs games, but we know his talent. And Tellers were still trying to find something out about, but he had a good game. He had a good game against Watford and his delivery is very good and that offers something very different to Shaw. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's good options, isn't it? It's all good options. So uh, I want to caveat this by saying none of this is um, intended as a future prediction of uh, where he's going to end up or anything, but I just thought it would be sort of relevant to have a conversation about sort of First impressions of Dean Henderson, two different people, both of whom shall remain nameless. Uh, two different people mentioned to me yesterday, got a touch of the Pickfords about him in the sense of uh, what they said this independently, that he, that kind of feeling of wanting to be involved, that kind of uh, a lot of very aggressive posturing and all that sort of thing. Um I have to say, yeah, or or, or the Joe Hart's, yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, exactly. I mean he's a, he's confident, and I don't think that's a bad thing in a goalkeeper. And it's been it's been noted previously, hasn't it? Uh, now whether that translates translates to his decision making and overall performance on the pitch, I don't know yet. I mean. Um, I, I think the mistake he made against Sheffield United's got nothing to do with sort of no. overconfidence at all. It was a, uh, I mean. Honestly, if Maguire had just kicked that into Rose Ed, as he probably should have done, or actually found a forward pass, then then we wouldn't got ourselves in that kind of trouble. And and Henderson didn't take a very confident touch there. 
couple occasions, you know, well, one occasion, I remember, against Watford. Um, he looked a bit rash, didn't he? But that's isn't that all goalkeepers? So I'm a bit loath to make any kind of judgments I, about I'm him not- beyond what we've seen with him playing for Sheffield United for the last couple of seasons. It, what I'm saying isn't about, it's not, these aren't judgments. They're just, well, I'm trying to find something to talk about because there's nothing <laughs> sure. interesting to talk about. And there's a sort of slightly impressionistic feeling that you know, he's very young and he's hardly played for United. And there's a lot more to come, but it's at this point, uh, certainly not going, oh, it'd be great if Dean Henderson was in the side instead of David De Gea. Like, there's no no sense of that. And in fact, even, um, oh, isn't it great that he's our cup keeper and not Romero? That there doesn't there there isn't as yet very very early days isn't as yet an obvious upgrade. I'm I'm sure story wise and sure. potential wise, it's a it's a totally different proposition but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see i mean yes uh fair, fair enough a good good transition though i think from a old, older keeper to a to a younger keeper that we've got hope for uh in terms of this particular role yeah. now there's another one to come if he's going to take over the over david de Gea's jersey we'll see on that one um i mean what i like about him is the confidence in the air i mean that you know punching or catching uh he you know he wants to command. I don't know whether he does that perfectly yet. There's a lack of experience there, but I think I like that tendency. Yeah. He's um, his reflexes are good. I've not. He's not pulled off a worldie yet. You know, a David de Gea worldie. Um, we'll see. I think everything that he's saved, you'd probably expect a top keeper to do. I'm trying to think of one where where he's sort of overachieved. But his numbers for Sheffield United, he overachieved the average quite a bit. Now, you know, that's that's in a team where you'd expect to make a lot of saves. There's a different challenge for him at United, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with him. We'll, we'll see that. He's not, a lot, not really had a lot of time. No. And presuming he plays in the Europa, he's going to get a, a different challenge there. Absolutely. Um, uh, Van der Beek, I saw a lot of Van der Beek, a lot of praise for his tidiness and speed of moving the ball around and all the kind of things, I guess. Flicks and tricks yeah. and sees around corners and stuff like that. It's, it's what you expect for Van der Beek, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He, I mean, he played at sort of eight with this one, didn't he? And I'm not sure if that's his best position. Could he do more damage further forward at 10 where he played more of his time for Ajax? I mean, probably. But we need to... And certainly when he combined with Wayne Matter, there were a couple of nice occasions. We need to know what he can do as an eight, really, don't we? Because, you know, the number 10 position at Manchester United is full. Like you say... Fairly sealed. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's... I mean, you know, Solskjaer talked about how much he likes him as a player and they've had conversations and, you know, so all that's good. But, you know... That 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 one will run and run, and uh, that's literally all I've got to say about the Watford game. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Van der Beek, apart from the flicks and tricks, extremely efficient with his passing, ninety-five percent pass completion. I don't know what that says against a. It's not like Watford were really pressing hard in the centre of midfield there, so it was a uh, it's fairly easy going. So I don't, they've got a the talent. They've got to find out the right position there. Um, he's got to learn to grow into this. Uh, and he's not a player, even at Ajax, that was sort of imposing himself on the game. That was Frank de Jong's uh, role at Ajax, and, and it won't be at United either if he plays at eight. So 
Maybe it's set up for him. Maybe that'll frustrate fans. I don't know. We'll see. It's the, the, you know, it would be really nice to have a player that's kind of that engine, that recycling possession. I wonder whether over time, you know, you could you could develop that player, especially with Carrick on the coaching staff, into a, you know, into a Michael Carrick alternative. It seems like... Well, we played at 6 fights mm. as well. I mean, very flexible player. Yeah, I, I mean... You're not going to get the the kind of ball winning off him. No, of course, as you did not sure. off Carrick. Yeah, and do not off the man Matic <laughs> as well. So. But you do get it off uh, in some kind of combination, Fred and yes, McCombin, two the, the classic current Man United problem of needing to have two players to do one player's job. <laughs> yeah, well, quite yeah, um, and <laughs> I mean McDominay had a very a different game, I think. Uh, in uh, it was it was like although he nominally he was the defensive player he he really put in a number eight's performance didn't he and he was the engine here a, another good performance from him uh, on you know getting the armband and and I think we've seen good stuff from him he's again not sure whether he's a six or an eight same with Fred not sure whether he's a six and that or an eight. And it's it's a bit of balance problem that United definitely have. There. Well, it's like that neither of them are either. That's this is the problem because uh, you know with McTominay he can't pass, like he can pass, but he's not a very he's not he's not progressive passer. For no, sure. and yeah. with with old Fred, um, he's Fred's big thing. I would say is like biggest weakness in a way is just fluctuation of performance level. Good Fred and bad Fred are, you know, they they're quite far apart. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we don't need to relitigate United's midfield woes. They will, uh, they'll continue. And, and I mean, I did see, I did see, I know this is I'm sort of hesitant to even comment on reaction to Man United, but my God, like somebody put a comment on our Instagram after the City game saying like, this is why Ole's got to go, his subs are rubbish. I'm like, you you just already think he should go. There's no there's no extra evidence from the the semi final against City that Solskjaer's got with thirty three points. With like no one in the league has more points than us. We have the same number of points as the other team that's got the most points in the league. This isn't like Solskjaer not making a sub against City, where you know, like I think I said this on the on the podcast. I it wasn't like I could see that bench and see that thing and cry. This game's crying out for X or Y sub. We're just not at their level. Um, no, it, it was crying out for a change because we were not at their level and it wasn't working for us. But anyway, that's that's last week's no, game. I, uh, four four subs he used yesterday, and um, I mean Matthew Maguire had to come on, and then Rashford made an impression, didn't he? Uh, just getting the ball and running with it he opened up the game a little bit oh yeah that's that's uh one there you go i've thought of one other thing i thought after that game which is uh, rashford is so close to being absolutely unbelievably brilliant like he's really good obviously and is he our top scorer this season that's no, probably bruno isn't it? it's always bruno um but maybe rashford second he scored a you know He's definitely up there with with goals this season. And last season he was pushing Martial all the way. And 
you know, he's just been good ever since he came onto the scene, but it just feels to me like he's he's thoughtful and he's learning and he's developing. Like uh, on Touchline Fracker, they've been talking a lot about how he's on 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 Mate United Great Again. Um they've been talking a lot about how his close control's improved. So that his his um his kind of long rangey dribbling's always been good, dribbling at pace, but he's got kind of improved the kind of twinkle toes stuff. Um, which I think is is true actually. I it feels really reductive to say like his decision making is something that needs to work on because I don't even really know I I feel like you got to be almost a bit more specific because it's not like he makes a lot of correct decisions in the match there just seems to be there's just like one half a missing piece where he goes from being like really 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 good to like you know, global, absolute, unquestioned icon, world team of the year kind of player. Um, maybe I'm just seeing it because I want to see it, but I feel like it's there somewhere. Yeah, and I think it's little things, um, the, the the right kind of decisions in the, the final third when he's got the ball, uh, depending on where he finishes up as his kind of playing position, but I think he's, I suspect he's always going to be a sort of utility forward. He can play across any of them. But he seems to be, you know, I, I, two years ago, I'd have believed that going through the middle would be his best opportunity. Now I'm not so sure because he's he's done so well as that kind of inside forward. And in that role, if he was playing wide left in a 4-4-2, I, I just wouldn't believe that would be his, his future at all. But as an inside forward in a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, um, it suits him well, and he seems to enjoy it. Uh, dribbling, running with the ball, great. He's electric, and I don't care if some of it doesn't come off. I think that's you know, much much like Martial. I think you get more benefit than you lose having more players like that in your team, and not least penalties, which Bruno enjoys. Uh, and and then the finishing. I mean, he's beating his XG in the Premier League this season. Uh, but I, if he if he goes from 2.7 shots per 90, which is what he's doing in the league, to three and a half or four, he's just going to score more goals. You know, and it, that that's a fairly simple calculation, but it's true yeah, as yeah. well. A, a player of his quality with, you know, outperforming XG for the Premier League, that's what he needs to do if he wants to score 25 Premier League goals a season. And, and it, it feels like... This isn't obviously this is this doesn't happen very often, but there's a there's a non-trivial chance, like a non-zero chance that he makes a leap where it goes 25 goals, 40 goals. Cause he absolutely gets it. Like he if you'd looked at Ronaldo in in 2005, you'd have said, wouldn't it be amazing if he has a 20... I think it was 5-6 that he had a 25 seat. No, it might have been... Um, it was 6-7 that him and Rooney both got, I think, the exact same number of goals. They got 25 goals each. And that, at the time, felt like, wow, this guy's really got it. And then the next season, and literally every year since, it's like, oh, now I score 100 goals a season every season, and I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, I don't think that that future is impossible for Rashford if he gets some stuff right. I mean, maybe maybe the sort of miracle combination of drive um physio- physiological abilities uh and just kind of inner insanity of ronaldo is missing in almost everyone um but i don't know yeah 
this is completely rambly and, and ill thought out, but I was watching Rashford when he came on in this game thinking there is one of the best players in the world in there somewhere, basically. Yeah. And his contributions are already excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His goals and assists per game is at about 0.75 across all competitions. So that is a forward who's contributing a lot. Yeah. And what we're talking about is making it one, which would be elite, yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so I guess that's nice to hear that, really, because it's almost like I'm not just being insane because that contribution is growing and growing and growing. And you do wonder if there is an explosion coming at some point, but we'll see. Like, uh, you know, like cryptocurrency prices bubbling and then they suddenly explode. Yeah, I'd like him to not be quite as lumpy as that. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> $40,000 for Bitcoin today. I'm not going to guarantee it's $40,000 for Bitcoin tomorrow, let alone in a week or a month. Yeah, I know, but... Yeah. I'd like Rashford to be good in a week and a yes. month and 10 years. Yeah, well, I think Bitcoin prices will be all right in 10 years, probably, depending on legislation. But anyway, that's a whole, that really is a whole other conversation. All right, should we, um, should we take a break and then come back and talk about Burnley? <laughs> Burnley. Mm-hmm. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. So, with all due respect to Jimmy Anderson, um, I don't like talking about Burnley, um, just because of the combination of the way they play football. The fact that their fans flew a White Lives Matter banner over the stadium last season. I mean, you know, the team were pretty horrified by that and talked about how it wasn't what they were about and all that sort of thing. Um, but still, I don't, I just don't like Burnley. I'd quite like them to get relegated. Yeah. And they might. They might. Uh, nine goals they've scored in the Premier League this season. Nine. They've only got one player in their squad who scored more than one goal in the Premier League this season. Chris Wood with three. And then a bunch of players with one, six players, I guess, can do the maths. Uh, six players with one goal each. Um, really bad, yet somehow not in the relegation zone because they've got enough points. And, you know, that this is, this is at, twas ever thus with Burnley in the Prem, I guess. Yeah, they defy all the, the models. You shouldn't be able to be comfortable in the Premier League scoring nine goals in 15 <laughs> games. You just shouldn't. <laughs> If they stay up with 30 goals scored this season, it'd be incredible. But they might well do. So, I mean, this is at Turf Moor, not that it matters anymore where anything is. Uh, and once upon a time, it was a hard place to go. Never. But actually, not yeah, true. Nev- nev- <laughs> never been a hard place to go. In fact, um, they've got like a really good record against us recently at Old Trafford. I think their last two games, they beat us and then the one before they drew. And they were 2 0 up and we pulled it back to a 2 all draw. There was the Jay Rodriguez one. I don't know if that was that game or the one that they won. Um, but yeah, we beat them. It feels to me. And this is just based on, I think, one game. But it feels like we beat them 2-0 and Anthony Martial scores every time we go to Turf Moor. That, that, that's, that's how it works in my head anyway. Yeah, joy. So, I mean, I don't think this will be much of a spectacle. I think we know exactly what the pattern of the game is going to look like. This is going to be United pressing, as in pushing forward, not necessarily pressing. Uh, Burnley happy to sit back. 
they don't particularly have any real pace in the side to to hit us on the break or cause us any particular problems there. It's going it's going to be set pieces and individual chances, uh, and it's can United can United break them down? Can so. United get a penalty? <laughs> Can United get a penalty? It'd be nice if there was one in the first minute because it completely changed the complexion of the game, of course. Um, I mean, worth saying that there is no doubt that Klopp and Mourinho are both definitely trying to get referees not to give United penalties. Like, that is... Oh, yeah, talking about it all yeah. the time, yeah. This is... this is. I don't know if that helps with VAR, though. I'm not, I'm not sure that the, the kind of mind games... I mean, it does to an extent that... That you you have the kind of um, uh, cricket DRS problem where if the referee gives it, the VAR has got to find a reason to overturn yeah. it, and the referee doesn't give it, they're probably not going to overturn it unless it's really obvious. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of a club there, uh, and and so you know maybe the the tricks work, but there's a there's an extra layer of security if that's what we need. Um, in that uh, if the ref on the field's a coward, then we can go to Stockley Park and, you know, those fine fellas with the TVs will sort us out. Yeah, possibly so. I'm, I know this is a point that's been made everywhere and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it, but all these people moaning about United getting too many penalties, it's like, doesn't this just tell you that for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, Man United have been hard done by for penalties because they've invented a thing that makes it more likely the decision's right and now we get the penalties we've been deserving all along. Uh Perhaps Ferguson era home games might be excluded from that analysis. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, what do you think the starting eleven's going to be? So I think that um, he said Pogba and Lindelof were injured um, ahead of uh, that game, and maybe one other person as well. Um, but I, I wonder. I don't think we know anything about severity or anything like that. I wonder if we'll just get. No, I mean, did he? He didn't do a press conference today, did he? So it'll be Monday. There'll be a press conference with the team news for for Burnley, and we'll see whether we'll see whether they're okay or not. I mean, it's Lindelof's back that he's had the problem with, and uh, well, I'm presuming Bailly's not fit. We may see Tunzabi again if neither are available, and Pogba. I mean, he started a whole bunch recently in this diamond and Solskjaer's experimenting with it to see if it's a way he can get all his players into the side all at the same time. So perhaps, I mean, he's fit. It kind of, the signs point to it. I don't know whether you need the double pivot against Burnley, a team that scored nine (laughs) goals. I mean, yeah, you could just play one of... I wonder whether we'll see Matic. Matic and... um, Maybe even the Matic Pogba combination. Matic Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Greenwood, and Martial Greenwood did got taken off against um who's it? What's it's Watford? Um Cavani's back oh, as well. Yeah, so great. we could have Rashford on the right, Martial on the left, and Cavani through the middle. Um against he he might well go with that one actually, just just thinking about how set pieces may be important and, and Burnley's physical ish approach. Yeah, and just great to have Cavani back um as an option even if he doesn't start like Cavani coming off mm-hmm. the bench if it's nil nil after 60 minutes it's a, got to be fairly terrifying yeah. prospect. I, I, th- I think I'd put money on that happening um far more than Greenwood starting Greenwood's confidence seems a little low yeah. at the moment so he's not even shooting as much as he used to and I'm not worried about it I see some ridiculous stuff on social media so 
Uh, it's he's a young player, not a lot of football. Often they have these dips. Let's not freak out. His talents there, um, but but for me, just the, like the short term form points to points to Cavani if he's sharp, fit, ready. Uh, probably coming in, but that'd be my guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an excellent guess. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- I think it seems reasonable to do a short podcast. I imagine that we'll have quite a lot of content to talk about in the next two league games. And one thing we should obviously say is that this game is absolutely crucial. And uh, if we get points from this, then we're top of the league. Oh, that'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't be, it be nice sweet? just to see? Like, when do Liverpool play again? They, they play, play us. Before no, no, they... when they play us. And they don't play... Huh? How, how do they get a week off? Shocking. Uh, Outrageous. Well, this is this is the game that we would... This is game week one, basically. It's our game week one game, yeah. isn't it? So, And I think it's the only... Oh, no, there, there are other games happening in midweek. Um, but that's from a different match day. And Liverpool are missing that match day. So, yeah, Liverpool somehow get a week off. Classic Liverpool, bending the rules. No. Uh, yes, anyway, look, comfortable win for United, hopefully. It's on Tuesday night, which is good, because we've got Tuesday to Sunday, so five days off yeah. uh, before that Liverpool game, get everyone fresh. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And worth saying that, you know, literally a draw and we go top of the league because Leicester aren't playing either. Yeah. Um, so Liverpool games at Anfield or Old Trafford? Old Trafford. Old Trafford. Yeah, they come to no, Anfield. champions Anfield. elect. Anfield. Oh, we go to champions as champions elect, <laughs> top of the league. I mean, listen, we'll Ish. talk about this in a week's time if, we will. We, if we've won. Cocky. But if United win these next two games, we're having a serious conversation about the league title because we have to. Yeah. But that's a big if. Yeah. Starting. It is a big if. It's big if, especially since we've seen... Quite a lot over the last few years. Fixtures like this one against Burnley be our bananas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also quite a lot over the last few years, fixtures like the one against Liverpool being a banana skin too. So either one of these could be a banana skin. But we've also seen United win both of these sorts of games. We've seen them play really well in these sorts of games as well under Ole and not that long ago. So uh, I think there's plenty of cause for hope. Really hope that the um, the loss to City and the sort of stuttering second eleven performance against Watford doesn't hasn't negatively affected momentum. In a way, I'm sort of glad that there's Burnley in between that and Liverpool because a good performance against Burnley would be a fantastic thing to be going into that Liverpool game off the back of. So up the ruddy Reds, I say. Very good. Yeah, good luck. Uh, Reds prediction score-wise? 2-0, Martial to score. Wow. I'm going to go for a... Well, I was going to say 2-1, but <laughs> but the one. Where's the one coming unlikely. from? Two... To 0.5 is much more statistically likely then. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for United in that case. I hope it's a good performance though, because another like a meh bit meh would be three in a row and that, that wouldn't be great for our momentum. But we, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's just, just loads of goals in that team, you know, and I, I think off the back of the last two games, it's easy to be a bit like, meh. But really, leading up to the last two games, it's been really quite feel-good and quite good. And I do think they'll be more up for the league stuff than they were for the cup stuff. I'm sure they were up for the semi-final as much as they 
as much as they could be, but they were just outplayed in the end in that game in the fine details, which I doubt will be the case against Burnley. If we lose this, we'll have had to play really badly, which is, of course, entirely possible. But, you know. Backers, stay tuned. We're going to talk a little bit about the state of football and everyone else will see you on Friday. (laughs) 